I want to read something to you from the book of Colossians, and you can turn there with me if you would. It's from chapter 1. And uh, this is significant because we have been praying this as a prayer that the Spirit of God inspired Paul to pray. It's something we've been praying over our lives. It's something we've been praying over the lives of our partners. And uh, I want you to put these words in your mouth uh, and make the decision that in this coming year, you are going to fill your heart and fill your mouth with these words right here. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he said, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, now what he's talking about is word had gotten back to him that the people in this city and in this church loved each other, put faith in Jesus, and that they loved the word of God that was coming out of the ministry of Paul. And he said, ever since we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This goes on, but I want to center in on this verse tonight, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, again, this is a prayer, but it's in the word of God. God saw fit that this prayer end up in his holy and eternal written word. Why would the spirit of God inspire him to pray these words? Because this is what he wants to do. This is what he wants to do. This is why he would lead anybody to pray anything. He'd say, here, pray this. Why should I pray that? Because that's what I want to do. That's what I want to happen. I need you to say it. I need you to pray it because when you say it and pray it, then I can do it. So here, pray this. And you say, well, you're putting words in my mouth. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Let him, let him put his words in your mouth. And this prayer that he's praying is in response to people's faith and their love. And he says, I'm praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Sometimes we, we read over these things, and especially when the Bible uses these words and makes these promises that are so big that your brain just sort of defaults to, you know, that's a metaphor or, or that's, that's true in a sense. But I'm asking you tonight, take this literally. Believe every word of it. Believe that it's possible that you and I can and should be filled with the knowledge of his will filled with it. If you're filled with something, if a container of any kind is filled with something, filled to the full, how much room is there in that thing for anything else? None. There's no room left. Why? It's full. And it's possible for you and I to come to the place where we are filled to the full with what? The knowledge of his will. Do you realize how much confidence there is in that? Being filled, totally full, nothing else in you but one thing, what God wants. And that's filled with the knowledge of his will. And, and that can be applied at, in any way across the spectrum. Everything from what's the will of God for his kingdom in the earth? What's the will of God? What's he want uh, accomplished in the whole world, what's he want done? And, and make no mistake about it, he was and is and always will be about world domination. <laughs> that's what God is and is all about. So that's what we should be about, world domination. But just as much as God has a will for mankind and humanity and what he wants the kingdom to accomplish and the lost to be saved and, and people to be welcomed home to the family of God. He's also got a will for you on Tuesday afternoon at 3.30. How many know he's got something to say about it? At any place, at any time, he has something to say about you, about the kingdom and about your place in it. And it's possible for you and I to be filled with that, filled with the awareness and the confidence of this is what God wants done. It's not just what he wants done in a general sense. It's what he wants done with me. It's what he wants done through me. It's where he wants me to be. It's who he wants me to be with. It's what he wants me to be doing. You can be filled with that. Yeah. See, confusion is when there's too many things in the container. 
And then this container, I'm talking about head and heart. And when there's a lot of different things in there, do I go this way? Do I go that way? Do I do this? Do I do that? How am I supposed to spend my time? How am I supposed to spend my money? Confusion undermines confidence. But you and I can come to the place where we are so filled with the knowledge of his will for our lives that there's nothing but confidence in us. Confidence in every step of faith that we take. Confidence that we are in the right place. Confidence that this is the right time. Confidence that these are the right people. Amen. These are big promises. But he didn't just stop with being filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice this next part. In all wisdom. I want to talk more about that tonight. But he added to this at the end. And spiritual understanding. You've probably figured out by now, if you've walked with the Lord any length of time at all, that there is a huge difference between understanding something spiritually and understanding something naturally. You've experienced that, right? You've probably experienced getting some sort of direction from the Lord. Well, what is that? That's the knowledge of his will. And then all of a sudden your brain chimes in and says, wait, wait, huh? What? No, there's no way. There's no way. We can't do that. We can't do that. We can't go there. We can't spend this. We can't give that. Meanwhile, your spirit's alive going, that's it. That's what I was waiting on. That's my direction. That's my answer. And your brain's like, what? Huh? Huh? There's a big difference between understanding something spiritually and understanding something naturally. And a wise person will speak up out of their spirit and say, shut up brain. You'll get it in a minute. This is what we're doing. This is where we're going. But notice what he said here is a part of this. Not just knowing what God wants done, but wisdom, how God wants it done. Have you heard the expression before, God's will, God's way? It's not just being filled with the knowledge of his will. That's a good thing. But there's a step after that. It's going to take the wisdom of God. That's why the book of Proverbs says in chapter four, get wisdom. Remember that? Get wisdom, get understanding. In all you're getting, get it, get wisdom. Now that's, that's good news and other news. <laughs> I won't call it bad. But if the command to me and you is to get wisdom, evidently you don't have it. <laughs> you need it. But the good news is he wouldn't have told you to get it if it wasn't available. It's available. The wisdom that it takes to walk out the knowledge of the will of God for you, for your life and your family, it's available to you. It's not hiding from you. You need it and you can get it. And uh, if the instruction is to get it, the next question should be, okay, Lord, where is it? Because if you're telling me to go get it, I'm on my way. I just need to know where it is. And I want to show you tonight from the book of Proverbs where we find wisdom. I just recently did a month's worth of uh, legacy television broadcasts on some of this, and I can't get away from it. And whatever you have at any point, Sarah, just jump in. I, th I think there's something really neat that you said will go, but you have to, sometimes I don't, I'm not going to say anything until you say to me, just jump in. Really? So, well, okay, maybe, <laughs> but what, what you, <laughs> what you said, <laughs> well, you just keep going and it's so good. And I'm like, why stop? Why stop him? It's so good. It's interesting. No, um, that you a, say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go but on. I wanted to expound on something that you said because I thought it was really good. And I don't even now. Now we've gone too far, so I don't exactly remember what you said. <laughs> but it's something to do with how your head doesn't get it, but um, it'll hit you. And I, th I think that's the over the years, that's the one thing that I've learned in receiving wisdom, how to recognize it. Because for me, hearing from heaven is like, it's like heaven hits my heart. And that's the only way I know to explain it, is that it's not, it doesn't come to my head, even though it can come in a thought, but it hits my heart first. It's like I get it in the core of who I am. And it's that, it's hitting the heart. Wisdom hits the heart, not the head. And 
And to me, it, it, it's like this, this infusion of joy that I see for the first time. I get light for some, I've, ha, I've been somehow in darkness and I don't mean like really over into spiritual darkness. I don't mean it like that. But you know, there's times in your life where you sense a, it's almost like a, a knowing that I need a knowing. <laughs> a knowing that I need to see. A knowing that there's more light, that there's more to see. There's more revelation. There's more glory to behold. And knowing that there's more. If you have that sense that there's something more, usually it means there is something more. And so for me, I get light and I get the joy and I get the hitting of the heart, you know? And and all I'm trying to say by that is I can't always quite get it in my head. Sometimes even after I get it in my heart, my head will be like, oh, is that God? Oh, I don't know if that was God. Like when I first saw him preach, he, I, we had never met. And I, in my heart, I was thinking, this is my husband. This is my husband. This is, my heart was saying, this is my husband. And my head was saying, are you crazy? My heart was saying, this is your husband. My head was saying, no, it's not. You're just, you just think he's hot. And my, my heart was like, no, this is your husband. But what that was is it's hitting the heart. And you have to know God. He's all heart. And he's, oh, he's so tender and he, he's touched with the same feelings that touch us. And you can recognize him by the heart. And that faith is of the heart. It's not of the head. You may not even, you, you may think every day, I don't know how I'm going to be healed. I don't know how I'm going to receive this. I don't know how this money's going to come to me when I need it. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, blah, 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 blah. But your heart will be saying, by his stripes, I am healed. Your heart will be saying, no, my God is faithful. He will come through for me every time. And when it does, you have to grab hold of it by faith and say, no, my heart is telling me this. I don't care if my head is telling me this. My heart knows what is reality. My heart knows what's true. Yeah, and that's spiritual understanding. And it takes that to process the will of God. But you and I have got to come to the place where, number one, we believe that it's possible to know the will of God. We've got to come to the place where we believe that it's not only possible, it's His will that we be filled with the knowledge of His will. And then just like Sarah's saying, learn to hear from the heart not try to process it with the head. If the knowledge of the will of God is what he wants done and his wisdom is how to do it, because that's what the word wisdom means. It means skill, to be skillful. Understanding of it is, well, you could say it like this. It's the why. If you understand it, then you, you get why. But the natural man wants to answer why first. Here comes the, the knowledge of the will of God. And most people, their first response is, why? It's like a child. You ever got trapped in that conversation with a child before? Why? 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 And uh, we had a, some friends of ours one time, uh, a little bit older than us and had several kids uh, older than ours. They've got grown kids now. But he said, you know, I never, I, I never minded my children asking me why as long as it was on the way to obedience. As long as it wasn't, uh, as long as the obedience wasn't contingent on knowing why. He said, I don't mind. I, I don't get upset with them asking why. And sometimes the answer to why is because I said so, but I'm okay with you asking why, as long as it's on the way to obedience. But it requires having a heart that's open to grasping some of these things. I wanna talk about where we find the wisdom of God. And I want to read this to you from the book of Proverbs chapter one. We'll look at several verses here, beginning in verse 20. Uh, I'm going to read it to you first from the New King James, and then guys, we'll look at it in that amplified classic again. But it says this in verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. You notice She's not quiet. Well, the first thing to notice is that wisdom is a she. I, I feel like that's, you probably already knew it, but there's, there's, there's a, 
a sense that wisdom's trying to get your attention. That wisdom is not sitting in a dark, quiet corner somewhere. Wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is raising her voice. Wisdom is crying aloud. But notice again, wisdom calls aloud where? Outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. Look at this from the Amplified Bible. Put that up there for us. Verse 20, the Amplified Classic. I want you guys to see this. I think this makes good sense of where we find wisdom. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. She raises her voice, check this out, in the markets. What's the next one? Go on. She cries at the head of the noisy intersections in the chief gathering places. Can I tell you what's so special about where wisdom is and why wisdom chose to cry out and speak in these places? You want to know what's so special about these places? Nothing. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing sacred. There's nothing holy. It's in the street. She's, what did I say, in the markets, at the noisy intersections. Why is wisdom in these places? Why is the spirit of wisdom, the very wisdom of God, the wisdom that created the heavens and the earth, the wisdom that created this in such perfection that it was able to sustain life? Why is that wisdom hanging out in the street? Because you are. Because that's where you are. Every single day, I don't care if you're headed to school, if you're headed to work, wherever you're going, to a meeting, to a luncheon, to a, an event, whatever it is, you're out there in the street. You're going this way, you're coming that way. And guess what? So is wisdom. So is wisdom. On your way to work, wisdom's out there. Let me say it again. On your way to work, wisdom's out there. On your way to school, wisdom is out there. On your way to that meeting, on your way to that business luncheon, on your way to wherever it is you're going, wisdom is in the street, crying out, lifting up her voice, raising her voice out loud. Do you notice it said wisdom is in the markets? Not the market, the markets, plural. So it doesn't matter if you're in the supermarket or the stock market or whatever market you're in, wisdom's there. Wisdom is there. We found wisdom in the grocery store, I think, before. Don't eat that. <laughs> Don't buy that. Check that date. <laughs> this is all simple stuff, but that's where we're living life. That's where we are. Whatever market you are in, there's wisdom. But there's one of these places I want to draw your attention to. And I think this is what's going to carry us over the course of the next several months and into the new year and maybe beyond said that wisdom, it's not just in the streets, not just in the markets, but that wisdom is crying out in the noisy intersections. Intersections. Why intersections? Why is that where wisdom's found? Uh, Proverbs chapter eight, verse two, I think it is in the New Living Translation, talks about how wisdom is standing on top of the hill, how she's beside the way at the crossroads where the paths meet. That's what an intersection is, isn't it? Where one road that's going that way intersects and meets up with another road that's going this way. Wisdom is standing there. Why? Because it's in an intersection that a choice must be made. It's in an intersection that you get to decide about what direction you're headed. And whether you realize it or not, you and I are walking, driving, flying up to these intersections every day. I'm telling you every single day, you're at another intersection in life. Now, some of them are, you know, just daily occurrings, daily things that happen. We used to talk to teenagers when she and I youth pastored together. We, this came up all the time with them, talking to them about what we called the crossroads of spirit and flesh. And how every single day you will step up to the crossroads and have an opportunity. Do I yield to my flesh or do I yield to my spirit? And how oftentimes it was somebody who grabbed you by the hand and brought you to the crossroads of spirit and flesh. You didn't even get there on your own. 
through what something somebody said, the way somebody acted, their words, their attitude. All of a sudden you look up and you are at a crossroads, baby. Which way are we going? Is it spirit? Is it flesh? Well, guess what? Wisdom's standing there crying out, raising her voice with the right directions. But it's not just spirit and flesh. It, it, it's every imaginable crossroad. It's the crossroads of truth and lies. Which way are you going? It's the crossroads of right and wrong. It's the crossroads of bad and good. It's the crossroads of death and life. Proverbs said that there's a way that seems right to a man. But who remembers what else is it? The end thereof is death. Also in Proverbs 3 where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding or this, is, this would be the opposite of the spiritual understanding that he's yeah, talking about in the Ephesians. And in all your ways, acknowledge him where at that intersection or those crossroads and he shall direct your path. Which way are you going to go? And uh, it's either your understanding or your mind, your natural thinking, your reasoning, or you're going to go with your heart and you're going to go with the spiritual understanding. And if you look throughout the book of Proverbs, it's one of the main themes, the path, yeah. the path, the path. There's a way that seems right. The path of the, the path just. The path of the just. It's like the shining, shining sun. sun. It's brighter. It's yeah. light. It's joy. The it, psalmist talked about it. He said, show me the path of life. So if you've got a path that leads to death and a path that leads to life, there's an intersection and you've arrived at it. And if you were just judging on street names, <laughs> I'd go with life. But that's why the scripture said there's a way that seems right. I had this come up in my heart for, and maybe this is just for seeing, you know, it's, it's so awesome how the spirit of God will lead you with the gifts in the gifts of the spirit operating. What is, what is one of the gifts of the spirit? A word of wisdom. Wisdom. Words of wisdom. And I think about, um, there's something the Lord's taught me is in the mornings or whenever I'm starting my day to acknowledge him in everything I do. Okay, so if I need to go shopping or I need to go get something for my kids or I need to go, I go and I check in here before I just go to South Lake or before I go to Flower Mound or whichever way I'm going to go, I check in here first and I acknowledge him. I check in here. People think, oh, Really? You check on everything? I check on everything. I don't have time to waste. I don't want to be in the wrong place at the right time. I want to be in the right place. And I just had this come up my heart. Maybe this is a word of wisdom that we need to be doing that more. And this could save someone's life in here. That's what I'm saying. Or someone that's watching for, on television in the future. Before you go out and just do what you need to do, you make sure that you acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He'll show you which, where, which way to go, where to go shopping, what store to go. Man, I get good deals all the time. You want to know why? I'm in the right place at the right time. I do. You got, I mean, all my girls here can tell you my Nordstrom Rack deals and all the stuff I get. I, mean, I got a pair of $300 boots for a penny one time. Uh, hello? That's awesome. But why did I do that? The only reason that I got that deal that day is because I, I really did have a sense. If you need to go get some shoes, go to Nordstrom Rack. I checked inside first and I acknowledged the Lord. That seems silly and simple, but he cares. And he's in the middle of our everyday life. Like what you're saying, he is in the middle of our lives right here. He's right here. Wisdom is crying out to you, go this way, go this way. Don't go this way. There's a wreck down that. I mean, it's amazing how ever-present Jesus is. Yeah. And he has been made unto us wisdom. Yeah. And uh, this was one of the things that so marked his ministry. And we don't talk a lot about it, but you look back to what, what little we know about him as a child. There was a big deal made about his birth. You remember that. Uh, and then... You didn't find out a lot else until he's, what, 12 years old, sitting in the temple. And Mary and Joseph come looking for him. And the Bible tells us that people were astounded just listening to him talk, listening to his answers, listening to his questions. 
And then all of a sudden he just goes away for like 18 years. So he's around 30 years old. And you think, well, we don't know a whole lot about his life, but go look at what the scripture tells you about those 18 years that Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. That's the same word translated grace with God and men. But one of the defining characteristics of his life and one of the main things going on in his life for a long time was growing in wisdom. And there's a, there's a lot said about uh, the miracles that were worked by his hands. There's a lot said about, you know, dead that were raised and blind eyes open and all these things are marvelous and wonderful. But you go look at the accounts, especially when he showed up in his own hometown and started preaching. You want to know what people said? Where does he get this wisdom? Look at us in the book of Mark chapter six. Where does he get this wisdom? But it's not just where does he get this wisdom? They said, where does he get this wisdom that these mighty works are done by him? So there was a connection between the wisdom of God and the working of God, the wisdom and the miracles. This is what defined Jesus' ministry, the wisdom that came pouring out of his mouth. How else do you think people would sit on a hillside for hours and hours and hours at a time and just stay totally hooked, stay totally connected? There's wisdom pouring out of him. Wisdom is captivating. Wisdom is engaging. Wisdom is addictive. People want wisdom. And it was, it so marked his ministry that people said, what what is this? Where, Where does he get this? Do you realize that same wisdom is still coming up out of him today? It's called the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. But Sarah's exactly right. It's this constant awareness and this constant acknowledging of him. Think about it like this. If we go back to what the scripture said about where wisdom is at the intersection, bad things happen to people at intersections who don't know they're at intersections. Just naturally speaking, what happens when somebody's not paying attention? Somebody's moving too fast and they arrive at an intersection totally unaware that they're even at? an intersection. Bad things happen. People get hurt. I mean, I know I nearly lost some very good friends of mine one year. They were uh, headed out to mom and dad's church. And those of you who are familiar with KCM and the church out there, there's a very notorious intersection, not far, uh, not too far away from the ministry. And it used to be like five stop signs. It wasn't just North and South, East and West, there was like this other one and this other one. I think they call it five points. And it just was a bad spot. And I nearly lost some very good friends of mine because some guy came flying through an intersection and had no idea he's even coming to one. Now it's lights and flashing lights and all that. But what happens when people are totally unaware that they're at an opportunity to make a turn, to make a change? And we won't get into all this, but that's what the, those weeks of broadcast that I recorded were all about, how and why people end up missing their turn. If you keep reading in, uh, here in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, what wisdom is saying is, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. But she says in verse 23, turn at my rebuke. Turn. What is repentance? She's in, in verse 23 um, in the Amplified, it says, turn at my rebuke and repent. It means to change. Change your direction. Change where you're headed. That's what happens at an intersection. I know that we all arrive at these different places every single day and we must acknowledge the Lord. And Do I go this direction? Do I go that direction? But I'm telling you, there are other intersections that we come at and come to where major Life direction is dependent upon our ability to heed the voice of wisdom. There have been times in our lives where I don't know that I would have said it in these words, but we arrived at an intersection and there was a change that took place, a change in our thinking, a change in our, how we mentally approached certain things or just a change in our heart and our affection. There have been times in our lives when we've arrived at an intersection and heeded the voice of wisdom and it changed where we were geographically, physically. 
change occurs at these intersections. But one of the big reasons people miss it is because they're simple. This word simple is interesting. When you look it up, one of the words it means is gullible, uh, easily fooled, easily seduced. One translation of that word is open-minded. Now that sounds funny, doesn't it? Because that sounds like a good thing. You just need to be open-minded. Man, we are living in a culture right now that is preaching hard and heavy open-mindedness as long as it's you being open to me. (laughs) But is this not the message that we are inundated with right now? You got to be open-minded. You got to be open. When the the new covenant is really a Mm single-minded way of living. It's a single-minded and it's a wholehearted way of living. Yeah. And so it can actually be... uh, you could actually end up making the wrong turn at the intersection. Why? Because you were too open to some other voice. It's what Abraham did not consider. Mm-hmm. He considered only one thing. Right. And that's how he received the promise. That's right. Yeah. So go back again to what the Amplified said about that intersection. It's a noisy one. It's a noisy intersection, which lets me and you know that wisdom is not the only voice standing there. Wisdom's not the only one crying out. Now, there are some places, some towns you can go through where it is like a one light town. And maybe you've driven through some before and you sort of blink and it's like, was that it? Is that, are we done? Are we out yet? But there are other places, big cities with major intersections. And that real estate is expensive. Why? Because that's where everybody is and that's where everybody wants to be. So businesses buy up there and you got restaurants and you've got retail and you've got corporations and they all want to be around these major intersections. Why? Because we can get people coming from this way. We can get people coming from that way. We can get them coming from this direction. And that's one of the things that raises the price of the real estate. And they'll even put it in the the, the marketing of it. You got 50,000 cars driving right here a day. It's noisy. It's noisy. And when you step up to some of these major intersections in life, and I'm talking about big change, direction-altering change, one of the skills that you and I must develop in is the tuning out of every other voice but the voice of wisdom. And it's a skill. It has to be developed. It's got to be grown in. But that's why one of the other main themes of the book of Proverbs is a father to a son going, hey, listen to my words, right? Proverbs chapter four, my son, give attention to my words. See, we've always read that, put the emphasis on give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, their life to those who find them health to all their flesh. That's good and it's right. His words are life. They are health. But listen to it with the emphasis here. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. See, when I say it like that, when I hear it like that, I hear a father saying, hey, boy, listen, right here. Quit paying attention to that. Listen to this. Because every other voice that's vying for your time, your affection, and your attention lacks the ability to bring you life and health. Mm -hmm. There's not one other voice and not one other word in this world that can minister the life that you need and the health that you need. You know, a lot of people are probably listening to you thinking, why, why, I need healing. Talk to me about healing. No, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. Oh, I need, I need this job or I need, uh, I've got to find a job or I've got to do this, I've got to do this and panicked and, and wondering the answer to their question and they're looking for it and all they could do is just sit down and ask for wisdom. And he would give them the answer. You don't always need what you think you need. Most of the time you need wisdom. And I don't know how many times in my life, I would say that my greatest request from the Lord of anything that I ask for, talking to him on a daily basis would be wisdom. Would be wisdom. I mean, I even use this every day, practically, on practical things every day, like deciding on a song list for here. I don't just go pick songs that are good, popular contemporary songs. I mean, 
there are great songs out there, but I have to go and find out from wisdom himself, what do I do? Give me, and I ask him, Lord, based out of James chapter one, I believe, I ask you for the wisdom for tonight. I ask you for the wisdom and the words for this service. What what is the wisdom for, what do we need to hear right now? And then I say, I, you know, Lord, I believe I receive that wisdom according to your word in James chapter one. If you need wisdom, ask and do not waver and doubt in your heart. You know what? We should probably read that. I think that's good. Um, James chapter one. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But <laughs> let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways." One thing that I have realized about wisdom, and I think this is how it is in any relationship, someone oftentimes will not come and tell you something or give you the answer to the question that you have unless you ask them the questions. I mean, there are so many times, and this is just how God is. He is relational. He wants to talk with you. He wants this thing to be real where if you need something from him, you come to him and you talk to him like he is an actual person. You don't just just expect or think that you're going to have it or think it or know it. You ask. The Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. And there's been so many times where I've just been thinking and expecting to know something, but then I remember, wait, I haven't even asked him to tell me the answer. And the moment that I stop and ask him for the wisdom, I start to get clarity and start to know what to do. And I've just noticed that with him. He, he doesn't tell you all the time unless you ask him. He is a, an amazing, well, gentleman, we know that, but just a relational person. And he wants to talk with you. And he wants to know that you want to know that you are really asking him. And I know it seems simple, but what if we would just ask? And even at that, ask big. And not just assume that one day it's going to work out or we're going to see it or know it, but actually ask him like he's a real person. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it seems simple, but I think that so many times we don't know what to do because we haven't asked. Yeah. And just assumed that if he wanted us to know, he'd just drop it on us. But he said, go get it. Go get the wisdom. There's faith involved in that. He said, go get it. It's fa it takes faith to believe there's wisdom available to me. I can be filled with the knowledge of his will. I can possess the, the wisdom that it takes to walk worthy of this calling. I can have spiritual understanding. I can know what he wants done. I can know how he wants it done. And I can even know why. Yeah. Amen? And, and the amazing thing that we have as new covenant born again people is the fact that we have a spirit that is born again that looks just like Jesus himself. And who is Jesus? He's been made unto us wisdom. That means that our spirit man, you already have all the wisdom that you need for every situation on the inside of you. So it's nowhere out here roaming around, searching. It's inside, right in here, right on the inside of our spirit. And that's why when you pray that we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will, it's that what's already in us would fill us up to overflowing and we would know and see, be filled with the knowledge of his will. It's already in there. We just need it to just flow, fill us up all the way to the top where it hits every part of our being and we know what to do. My papa used to say, the wisdom of the ages is only 18 inches from your head. <laughs> it's all right here. It's just drawing it up. Yeah. And really that's the entire life of a believer is drawing up by faith out of that deposit of grace that's been made on the inside of us. It's drawing it up out of there.
And when uh, Sarah read that from the book of James, he said, you have to ask in faith. If you're not, you're a double-minded man. That, that double-minded is duo. That means you've got two things on your mind. You've been op- you're open to one too many ideas. Too open-minded. Now, when it comes to being open-minded, be open from like here all the way to here. Be wide open to that. But guard over what all you open yourself to. And I, I, I've had to, even with just watching things, that just entertainment, it's all got an agenda. It's all trying to talk you into something. Guard against that. That's why the scripture said, guard your heart for out of it spring the issues of life. Go back to the book of Proverbs with me and I think we'll begin to wrap it up right here tonight. Back to chapter one. Verse 23, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I'll make my words known to you. This is what Sarah was just talking to us about. A few days ago, a few weeks ago, I guess, um, she and I were in the car together and it was quiet. We're on a long drive home. I think she was resting. I was just praying over uh, writing the partner letter that we send out to all our partners. And it was the first one of the year and um, just seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want to say? A lot of times those letters come out of what I've been, he's had me ministering on or they come from different direction, but this was a unique one. Uh, Seeking the Lord about what to say to them, how to strengthen and encourage our partners, what he would say to us. And I got two words. He said it just like this, course correction, course correction. And I meditated that all the way home, got in bed that night. And I said, Lord, I need to see that from your word. And this is where he brought me right here. Proverbs chapter one. He says, I'm crying out to you at the intersection. In other words, there's a change. There's a turn to be made. And I'm speaking to you in this place. Course correction. You know, when you, when you take off out of a place because there's somewhere else you want to be, the takeoff is an essential part of the process. <laughs> you realize that, right? To get from this city to that one, takeoff is key. It's very important. But almost just as important as takeoff is course corrections. Because if you don't make corrections to the course along the way, even though you wanted to be in this place, even though you needed to be in this place, even though you knew that's the place you wanted to be in, if you fail to make course corrections, you're going to end up in some other place entirely frustrated. Why didn't I get where I wanted to go? I took off. I pointed in the general direction, you know, but it requires course corrections. Now that word itself is actually pretty encouraging if you think about it. Because whom the Lord loves, he does what? He corrects. Now I know correction isn't always fun and it's not always joyous, but at the heart of it is a revelation. My father loves me. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't correct me. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't care where I went or what shape I was in when I got there or if I ever made it, but he loves me. So because he loves me, he corrects me. And the fact that he said course correction is also good news because you can't make course corrections unless you're already on your way. Course corrections are corrections that are made while in progress, while in motion in a direction. You can't make a course correction if you haven't started yet. So the good news to me and to us, our family, this ministry, and all of those of you who are a part of it, the good news is, hey, we're headed. We're headed there. We're moving. And he gave us some direction at the beginning of this year. The building project was part of that. It's time to buy up. It's time to build out. But as the years, as the the months have gone on and we stay open to the Lord, all of a sudden we look up and I'm telling you guys, and I hope our staff is listening to this and everybody else is hearing it too. We are standing at perhaps, I don't know, maybe the biggest intersection we've ever stood at. And there are things that Sarah and I have been praying about for years. You think you've waited at some long red lights? (laughs) I'm telling you, there are intersections 
that perhaps you feel like you have been sitting at for years, just praying over this thing and praying over this thing and praying over this thing. And um, I have it, I have a sense of my spirit, we're there and wisdom's crying out. And there's a shift, there's a turn, there's a change. And I don't know enough about it at this moment to say fully what it is. But the reason I'm speaking to you about it now is because I have a sense in my heart without any kind of gift of the Spirit in operation, many of you are standing at the same place. There are decisions to be made. There are choices that you're about to make that will take your heart, your mind, maybe even your physical body to another place, be it a different geographical location, be it a different focus with your finances, a different focus with your time, your effort, your energy. But I'm, I'm, I'm if you will, beseeching you, therefore, brothers, brothers, be, be, be mindful, be aware you're in the intersection. Don't just blow past this intersection and then wonder, how'd we get here? Where are we? Jesus was the master of this. There were times in his ministry where people put so much pressure on him. I'm thinking of the day he was just teaching in the synagogue like he would do. And out of nowhere, these religious leaders came and they interrupted the whole thing and threw down in the middle of the people a woman they say they had caught in the act of adultery. So I don't know how well she's clothed or if she is at all. This whole thing's about shame. It's all about persecution and embarrassment to shame her and using her to shame him. They throw her down and say, Moses in his law commanded us to stone such a one. What do you say? And the Bible said this, they said, testing him, pressing him, that they might have something with which to accuse him. This is pressure. And it's not really a, a simple answer. Because if he says, stone her, then all of a sudden in the eyes of the people, he's no different than these hard-hearted religious leaders who have oppressed them with a law they couldn't uphold. But if he says, don't stone her, then he's broken the very law that he came to fulfill. And this whole thing's off if he does that. What do you do? And this is the kind of position that Satan loves to put people in. Pressure, pressure, pressure. You got two bad choices. Pick yeah. now. That's what pressure is. But I love Jesus. Don't you love him? You remember what he did? He knelt down and began to write on the ground. And I love, this is what the scripture says about it. John chapter eight, as though he did not hear them. That's so genius. Did you know you can do that? You have Jesus permission to act like you don't even hear them. To act like you don't even hear the pressure. Well, let me ask you something. What's he down there doing? Hmm? Is that a red light? An intersection, if you will. And if I don't say anything without hearing my father say it, and I don't do anything without seeing my father do it, then we're just going to wait right here till I hear him say something and see him do something. Yeah. And the Bible said they continued to ask him. So they didn't give him quiet time here. They said, what do we do? What are you going to 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 do? Until finally a word of wisdom. He was checking inside. Listening on the inside. Mm -hmm. And don't you know when he got it, just that smile just crept across his face. And he stood up with option C. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody even knew there was one. Right. And he said, he who's among you without sin, let him throw the first stone. And they dropped the rocks they had in their hand. They walked away. And he said, where are those who accuse you? And she said, they're gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Waiting on the wisdom of God. Waiting on the word from God. While you and I are here in this intersection. And if this doesn't apply to you, then... Thanks for coming. There's cookies and hot chocolate. <laughs> but it, if this is for you, and I believe for most, if not every one of us, it's for you, then it is worth the wait. 
Don't get in a hurry. Don't be pressured to move. Don't let some other voice or some other noisy word pull you and make you take a bad turn, a wrong turn, because you got bad directions. Wait. Wait for the word. Wait for the wisdom. It's worth it. Another lesson you can learn from Jesus in this passage is while you're waiting, to oftentimes it's time to be quiet and not to talk, not to talk to everybody else about it, not to ask everyone's opinion about it, not to even just say what's your thinking or feeling or any of that. It's sometimes it's just time to get quiet for a while yeah, and then wait until you know. And wisdom, <laughs> he always speaks. Always. It says in James chapter 1 that he gives it to us liberally. So he's giving it. It's like being gifted. But why don't we hear it all the time? And I think that one of the keys to what you're saying is always being awake and alive unto God. Like being aware, being awake, being being mindful. And there's something that we talked about earlier that we didn't get into you said to me earlier, and it really ministered to me, but you talked about how, and I don't know how you said it, but the way I got it was that wisdom is always talking to you about the kingdom. I think we'll get into that. I sought the Lord about that today, and I feel like that, that we needed to say some of these things tonight, but that's the truth. Wisdom is always talking to you, and the direction, that's how you recognize the voice. He's taking from Jesus what Jesus says, and Jesus said, Wherever you go and whatever you do for my sake in the Gospels, there's a hundredfold return for it. That's how you recognize you're hearing the voice of the wisdom of God. Which turn here do I take? Well, which way is for his sake in the Gospels? Mm -hmm. So can you receive that course correction word? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that there could be some correction to the course you're on? Is it possible? Sure. Yeah. I'm challenging you, I'm begging you, go before the Lord and be open to it. Be open to that correction. And then if it's a if it's a minor one, make a minor adjustment, that's great, go on. But if it's a hard right, take it. You want to take course correction. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.